Hey guys, if you would like to get to know each one of us better, go check out Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com. Or the app. Get the app. That's better. Okay. Listed in the show notes on the support link. Well, welcome back to Pod and Me. I'm your host, Devin Birdsong. This is the Once a Month series, October 1st. And as we promised back on Wednesday, how were you guys back on Wednesday? <laughs> we promised that we was going to have this guy as our studio guest. He was the studio audience. It's none other than Brother Philip Webb. Reverend Philip Webb, thank you for being on the podcast. My privilege. Welcome. Yes, sir. He came down here this week to preach Youth Revival for our church, and it's been outstanding so far. And I'm really glad you're here today. I'm thrilled to be here, brother. Now, this is a world-renowned stage here, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also have the deacon and the song leader sitting in this month. We're glad to have you all here. Oh, good to be yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy so getting to meet Brother Webb yeah, and his family. So I got a question for you. How'd you feel back on Wednesday? Was it okay, Brother Philip? <laughs> we didn't run you off? You what? didn't run me off. It okay. was excellent. I enjoyed everything except the squeaking seat. Oh. Yeah, for those of you that didn't hear that, the Potterator's chair was having uh, some squeaking issues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, production. Can we not get the man a new chair? Yeah, no joke. <laughs> oh, man, it's it really is. It's great to have you. I told our audience that you weren't here just to record with us. You are here in Revival. I've said multiple times on this podcast, I want folks to get a glimpse of what it's like and has been like for me growing up after church is over and we get to have the preacher at our house, just sit around the table and talk. Because to me, you get a side of the ministry there that you don't get at church. Sure. And it's it's been an awesome privilege to get to know people just like you. All that being said, I know everybody has their own experiences and you grew up in a preacher's home. You're a third-generation Pentecostal holiness preacher. Yes. Both your granddads were preachers, so that's an awesome heritage. So how did you get started in the ministry? It all began, I guess, at six years of age when I first surrendered my heart to Christ. Yeah. Uh, Dad was preaching a revival. He was evangelizing at that time. But I'll never forget that experience. I can't tell you what he preached. can't tell you much about the service. Certainly, the Lord drawed me to the altar of repentance, the Spirit of God. It was there I surrendered. From there, you know, just growed and matured in the Lord over the years. Around the age of 15 years old, I started feeling the call uh, to preach. Obviously, I'd already been filled with the Holy Ghost, but started feeling the call to preach and uh, was really wrestling with that because, you know, in my mind, I feel like it was a battle that the Spirit of hell was trying to use on me to convince me that I wasn't truly called and that that lie I felt like he used on me was well your grandfather on your dad's side is a preacher and your grandfather on your mom's side is a preacher and and your dad's a preacher and your older brother's a preacher and if you say you feel the calling of God to preach on your life then everybody's just gonna yeah yeah you know he's just doing wow. what the family does yeah that was certainly a struggle. 
But we had actually went to Shady Springs Youth Camp. I had really been wrestling in myself if I truly was. I felt like I was, but I needed confirmation. Mm -hmm. So it was there one night up front in the tabernacle that I went forward and I I can remember laying across the altar for probably 30 or 40 minutes, just weeping and crying and Lord, I'm willing to do it, but is this you or is it just pressure I feel without or this, this runs in the family. Mm -hmm. I just said, Lord, I need confirmation. I need you to speak to me. A past was a pastor in that area still is in the shady fellowship, brother Keith Thompson, fine man. Yeah. uh, uh, Very distinct. A man of great character, not a man of many words, right? But what he says, he means, you know. And I'd got up from the altar and was just standing there, just just waiting on the Lord. And out of nowhere, Brother Keith Thompson walked over to me, leaned over, whispered in my ear, and said, "Son, God told me to tell you, do whatever you feel like He's calling you to do." Those words were pretty, really pretty small. There was no great prophecy or nothing, but it was a confirmation at that time that was. Uh, very establishing in my heart. Mm-hmm. I knew at that moment that God had confirmed, and then that continued to take from there. So that's that's kind of how I got started in actual ministry preaching, around yeah. 15, 16 years of age. You mentioned that even Satan used the fact that your granddad's in the ministry, your dad, sure. your older brother. There is a lot of pressure. You come from a family that's in ministry and successful ministers. Something I think is really unique about you and your family. I've heard your your father preach outstanding. He he held us a revival when we were in Prim, and your brother's an outstanding preacher. Both of your brothers are outstanding preachers, but all of you are different in your own callings. I would just say on that, of course, you come from a strong line of ministry. It's all around you. You know, what's been a help to me is obviously when you start out, you're trying to find your identity. Mm-hmm who you are in the Lord, who you are in the ministry. You know, at 43 years of age, I think I have a little bit better picture of that. When you first start out, I feel like you're trying to identify by something or with someone. You have markers of great men of God that's went before you. Right. You know, Brother Height, one of a kind, had his own identity. Brother Savage, you know, great God helped me here. Mm -hmm. His own identity. Uh, Brother Davis Sr., Uh, Sweet Lamb of God. God. I mean, we can go down a long list. My dad was known in his preaching, kind of the bread and butter of his preaching was to the lost. He Mm -hmm. always had a a strong burden. Obviously, we're all called to win the lost. And dad definitely had a gift. A lot of his preaching was in that direction. As a matter of fact, when he went home and took the church, I'll never forget one of the young ladies had good intentions. But in the youth group, she made a statement one time and said that all that our pastor ever does is preach to the lost. And uh, personally, I didn't take that as a as a negative. I took that as a compliment. Absolutely. You know, sure. Because that's, that's the greatest thing any of us sure. can do. But I do realize that God gives different men different abilities. Mm-hmm. After I, I answered the call to preach, was trying to find out who I was, feel like the Lord showed me what I guess he shows us all, and that was to be true to who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a great preacher, uh, my elder brother, my younger brother. They're both tremendous in their own right. right. Dad as well. But, uh, you know, God didn't call me to be Brother David. God didn't call me to be Brother Timothy and right. or to be dad. And that kind of takes me into, you know, now 
Uh, we've been pastoring, of course, all together. Our first pastorate, I guess, was one month shy of four years. That was in Cecilia, Kentucky. It's right, little town outside of Lisbethtown, Kentucky. Okay. And it was actually the first church we'd ever pastored. After I got married to Janelle, we worked there in the home church, mm-hmm. led the choir, worked in the Sunday school. Really, we filled any hole. That's yeah, what we did. Right. And we stayed there until uh, preached out a little bit, never evangelized. But anyway, we got the call uh, to go pastor a church that my grandfather on my mom's side had pastored. And so we went there for a month shy of four years and pastored and then felt the Lord, you know, moving us out. We actually went back to the home church because I feel like it's important, you know, if you have a gap in ministry, you don't just float. You need a home to go back to, right. pastor to be accountable to. So we did that for a year and a half, went back and just did whatever we could. And again, felt the call somewhere else. The Lord led us to another door where we stayed. It wasn't real long, probably about a year and a half and worked as an assistant. Mm-hmm. And it was much learning for us. The folk were great to us. Uh, we enjoyed our time there. It just wasn't a lengthy stay. And then the Lord moved us out of there into Mount Vernon, Illinois. Uh, Church Brother Jerry Pasquarella pastored a couple years the Lord led us there. We stayed there 10 years and pastored. Then that led up to where we are now, which is uh, my grandfather's church on my dad's side. And he actually was part of the founding of the church. You know, I've had a privilege, as we were talking before, to pastor behind both of my grandfathers, Brother Gene Taylor on my mom's side and Brother Melvin Webb on my dad's side. Wow, that is special. Yes, sir. It, it has been we're in Brooks, Kentucky currently, mm-hmm. right off the interstate, but it started up on what they call Brooks Hill. It's about 10 minutes from our current location. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it started in a tent revival, actually, is how Calvary Holiness Church started. It went so good. I think they had 30-some to get saved. Wow. When the tent revival was coming to a close, that had such a move of God that uh, the people who got saved said, hey, we need a church. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be left here. And there were two ministers involved. My grandpa was one of them. And the other gentleman, I think it was Brother Coffee, but I'm not certain on that. I see. Anyway, he was actually pastoring in downtown Louisville. And he said, listen, I can't stay. He said, talk to Brother Webb. So my grandfather said, well, I'll pray about it, and I'll try to help you for a little while. They moved off Brooks Hill, and they uh, settled down at the bottom of the hill. And that's where we're currently at, the location. Okay. And he actually pastored 29 years there. My grandfather did. Hmm. And then when he felt the Lord was leading him out, uh, he felt that my father would be the man. So that was brought to the church. And dad was voted in as pastor, stayed there for 22 years up until 2016. And then that's when the Lord led us in. And we, we've been there up to the present. So wow. You mentioned something about during the in-between times, the importance of going back and making yourself available. I think that's biblical, number one, mm-hmm. to prove yourself to your home church before you do a work outside the local church. But I think that's something also that it's probably it's a challenge to convey that to a young preacher, to make yourself available and be faithful at the, at the home church. Sure. If the door's not open outside, my brother-in-law said that he thought he was going to be a professional prayer request taker. Because that's what he did during the time under his dad's ministry. But he talked about being faithful in those roles until something else works out. Sure. I think that's very important. 
If I could speak to that just for a minute, not by any means that obviously I have not arrived. That's not why I say this, but I have been in or around ministry all of my life since I knew I was in existence, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get they get caught up in in this idea that if I'm in the home church, you know, I'm not really in ministry. And and obviously this seems so obvious, but sometimes we struggle with the most obvious things. Sometimes we underestimate the value of the home church. Wow. Yeah, that's if very you, good. You know, some people say, well they know me. You know, they know me. So <laughs> I got to go somewhere if the people that really know you don't respect you, I dare say you're going to have trouble getting respect anywhere. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. The other point that I wanted to speak to was uh, that I feel like sometimes people get caught up in, I got to be here, I got to be there. If I got to pastor this level of church, or I've got to preach this many meetings, or I've got to preach for this name. And I would just encourage anybody. I think we've probably all went through that phase where we struggled with that. But if you'll be faithful where God has placed you, men don't have to know what you're doing. God sees in obscurity. You know, for example, there's been times where maybe we were what people would call off the map. Mm-hmm. We weren't at one of those places that is the, you know, that place where everybody wants to be mm-hmm. the church. They've got everything. Everything's going for them. Everybody's aware of them. But by my own my own encounter, I've found that if you'll just serve wherever God places you, if it's big or small, if it's well known or it's not known, and you'll be committed to that. What men may overlook, God never does. God's a God of great detail. Look at nature. Look at the human body. Sure, God pays strict uh, attention to detail. And so I guess my challenge is, you know, in all of this, finding your identity, just because you get older don't mean you don't want to have an identity. But a church is not your identity. How many meetings you preach are not your identity. Uh, how many youth camps you preach is not your identity. Everything you're talking about, too, is very challenging just to talk about because it's something that I think every minister probably struggles with from time to time. Sure. Because the human side of you, you want the reaction from people. You want to feel accepted. Exactly. You know, and there's not—obviously, we should uh, strive for excellence, strive to be accepted. Uh, Some people counter that by saying, I'm my own man. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need man's approval. Well, uh, you do, actually. Yeah. But if that is your sole focus, you're gonna you're probably gonna fail in ministry, because somewhere you know the old saying is with Christ, one day they herald him, the next day they crucified him. Mm-hmm. My grandma Webb told me that one time mm-hmm. when I was in a difficulty in ministry, and she said you can't base it off immediate results, because sometimes men are gonna praise you, other times they're not, and that's where you got to be true to your calling. Oh, that's very good advice. That is very good instruction for any ministry. So with all the changes over the last few years for the church, there's new ways you reach people. The messages and the methods have changed somewhat over the years as well. So in my great-granddad's generation, the whole population was, you know, they they didn't go very far in education because they had to go to work, you know, depression era. So their, even their understanding of the Word of God, I, I can remember the older preachers would have somebody in the congregation read for them mm-hmm. while they preached because they weren't good readers themselves. Yeah. So, you know, they would reach the masses of their generation. But one of the challenges I've noticed is the last few years, 
we're preaching to a higher educated group. So it's a challenge to know how to reach them if you're not going to be studied yourself. Do you feel that struggle with that balance? I mean, absolutely. And I think that is the key. We have to be balanced. Scripture says, study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed. There's something to be spoken for that. But may I, if I could, I'd reference my grandfather, Brother Melvin Webb again. He had a sixth grade education. He could not read. When the Lord was calling him to preach and pastor, he said, Lord, I'm not able to read. How can I preach? And he learned to read by reading the Word of God. And God taught him. Sure. And he got to the point where, you know, he could read good enough to get up and read a text and preach a message. And he pastored a church for 29 years and was very successful in doing so. God gave him many, many converts in his ministry. As a matter of fact, many healings in his ministry. What's your feeling about today? It feels like that the church is trying to be, in some aspects, competitors to entertainment. Sure. I never have felt like that church should ever be a competitor with the entertainment of the world. It has to stand alone. Maybe just back to the the discussion of the balance of the spirit and the truth. We we lean heavily on spirit-filled services, Mm. but I think as people are consuming more information in this day that we also need to cram as much of the Word of God in their hearts. So is that your experience? I guess it goes back to where I mentioned the Scripture says, study to show thyself approved. We are definitely, there's no doubt about it, we are in a information age, mm-hmm. information overload. Yeah. You know, Google it, yeah. search it. We're competing with Facebook. You know, we're competing with Instagram. We're competing with YouTube. You know, there's so many different sources. I actually heard a minister just in recent days talk about when we're uh, we're seeking out information on end times and the rapture of the church and whatever your beliefs are there. He said, don't trust what some YouTuber says, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because that's what we're doing. Well, they said on YouTube or where they said on online and there's things we can glean there. But I think, I think we have to be careful as ministers because we, we need to be up with the times. Mm-hmm. But that said, if all we have is information and no inspiration, yeah. we are not going to penetrate hearts. Because if we're trying to compete with the entertainment of this world, as preachers of the gospel, if we are entertainers, we are really not preachers of the gospel. Right. Now, I don't, I don't mean personality. Yeah. Brother, Brother Height draws your attention. Right. Yeah. But I mean where the so focus is, I got to reel them in. I got it. It can't be about performance, entertainment, because right. we can't compete. The separation with us as ministers of the gospel is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Amen. That's what draws men. Yes. Draws those that are uneducated, those who are educated. And I think that's that's what I've been trying to stress to my church lately is Lord, I don't I don't just don't want a message. I want your message. I want the message for this hour. And we all say, Oh yeah, I've you know, I've got the mind of God for this, but I think sometimes we can that's kind of cliche. Yeah. And uh it's more our thoughts, it's more our ideas. We try to manipulate that. But anyway, in our own strength, Brother Birdsong, we can't do that. Right. We can't compete with the entertainment of the world. If we do, we'll falter. But I think that's where the old timers were onto something. They couldn't depend on internet search. 
They yeah. couldn't depend on all the commentaries. Yeah. Some of them couldn't even read a commentary, but they got on their knees yeah. and they prayed things through yes. till God birthed it in their heart. And when it's birthed in our heart, even the entertainment crowd or the highlight seekers, they yeah. know the difference. Yeah. And we may not reach them all, but I feel like we can reach some of them. So while we do need to stay up with the times, uh, the anointing and the sim- simplicity of Jesus Christ and Him crucified Amen. is always up to date. Very well said. Always up to date. Amen. Yeah, very well said. So I asked this question to several preachers on the podcast, and I've included several of my own. But Do you have any bloopers that you would want to share? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> we would be here all night. <laughs> You're not willing to? <laughs> I'm not willing that any should perish. <laughs> I understand. This guy's been so well put together, he has nothing that he's ever messed up with yeah. behind the pulpit. Uh, no, no, not at all. Just don't ask my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> man, it's been a privilege to have you here today. It's been great to be with you, brothers. Yeah. Oh, enjoyed it. I appreciate your insight. I really do. Why don't you come back sometime? Hey, why don't you delete this one? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> not at all, man. It's been it's been great. This is the kind really of conversations I want other people to hear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it just so happens I have this platform, so we're going to let him hear. <laughs> No joke, Brother Webb. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Birdsong. <laughs>